Harry Potter. Harry Welcome back, everyone, to Uranus Podcast. I know it's been a while, but let's get started and let's talk all things about Harry Potter. You know the books, you know the movies. It's hard to escape away from the wizarding world where it lives and breathes in. Most of you dream of escaping to get on the train to the Hogwarts Express. My earliest memories of Harry Potter is the brilliant trailer of Prisoner of Azkaban in the VHS for Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. I enjoy it and it's one of my favourites because of the aesthetic past memory embedded right into my skull. Others would be marathoning movies with your friends, families, dress up the characters, build the Lego sets. What is yours? So in order to celebrate the 20th anniversary since the first release of the film back in November 2001, I decided that I have all the free time in the world, sick and tired of social media, and also a certain thing that won't go away, and with a little motivation with someone, I decided to read Harry Potter books for the first time. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge while recording this podcast on the traditional lands of the Watamagatuku people of the Euro Nation and pay my respects to the elders both past, present and future. How come I n- never read them? Firstly, I was never a reading person when I grew up. I had the constant struggles of reading, focusing on words, and the distraction from movies. I never really got into the motivation, and school made me hate books because certain books were mandatory, and mandatory do not suit well with me, and me obviously struggling to fit into the system. I will admit I was never a full competitive fan. I do not know every single detail, theory, and point out there, And during my reading of The Wizarding World, when I read them, books uh, in the last past two weeks, I might have missed a few things. People normally read books, and if they're lucky, the books would be adapted into the small or big screen. But with the increased adaptations, some are not becoming not really faithful towards the original source material. But I do want to say, Harry Potter fans, you are extremely lucky how successful it went and how... It was really a time before young adult fiction adaptations. So you could say it was a pre before everything. The Harry Potter series, I would say, started the journey for all of this to really focus on young adult readers and it created an expansion for the market. I may be wrong, but do not deny how the outcome of it. There are some things I quite enjoy and see what J.K. Rowling succeed in, but there are some things that she did not succeed well in. At the end of the day, it was my journey reading the books for the first time. I'll explain what I think of towards each book and the big difference that I felt that was standout compared to the films. Yes, I did do my best not to reflect back to the visual material using the films, but there were some moments that I did lack have, have a lack of imagination or there was not much written about it. 
When adapting books to films, you have to obviously think how you have to cut out some things. Because the average film length is normally 90 minutes long and majority of the films in the series, I believe, past the two-hour mark. It is good for the first three films, but it was really hard for the bigger books, especially the 500 pages ones. But at the end of the day, it was successful for a reason. At the beginning, it created a film for kids to enjoy, but at the each movie that became more successful, it, beca- it felt like there were certain things that weren't carried on. I t- particularly want to point out with the mystical part of the creatures, the centaurs, the ghosts, the trolls, the giant spiders, and the giants and others. And I felt like the more Harry Potter became older, the more it was losing touch in the movies and it became more of a blockbuster hit. And that's the problem that's occurring, especially in the Hollywood films like today. I do want to say that reading the books, it became a bit more easier to understand what's going on in the films. And because and obviously the films do brush over a lot of things, but there was a lot of things I wish I could say, but alas... We are discussing reading the books. Love, Harry. Love. Shut up, Harry. God, Leviosa. Well done, dear. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. J.K. Rowling got extremely lucky how successful the first book went. And how it did so well. Um, because she took the time and to edit and edit the book. You see, it was very well suited for the audience and the determination after that. It was obviously showed an interesting beginning, especially to establish the divide well between muggles and wizards without labeling them. Obviously, they introduced the key factor of the Dursleys and how their daily life goes. So you have obviously had that relating part to that. Um, so obviously the zoo happens, but but there was obviously an increase in events happened between the letters from Hogwarts, and obviously they were at multiple places and they were running away from the letters, which is quite interesting. But obviously the film jump cut straight to the island of the small house, and it was just quite interesting how that happened. I could see the very humorous side of it. I can always maybe feel like I could illustrate these scenes very well um and everything's pretty much the same in the book until chapter nine it obviously they obviously cut things out of the film but obviously in chapter nine it's called the midnight duel and after being introduced to Malfoy he obviously trying to trap Harry um you know trying to trap him telling the teachers he should not be out this late at night because obviously trying to escape getting Norbert out of the Norwegian Riddleback Dragon out of Hogwarts. And obviously that introduced the fact of Charlie, obviously, um, you know more about the Weasley brothers, obviously Charlie and Bill, and it was just quite interesting. So it was, it was just one of those things that I really enjoyed about. And yeah, so moving on, um, Neville's more in the book. And it's just quite interesting that I obviously understand why now people like Neville and I actually do appreciate him more, a lot more now. Um, obviously in the climactic scene at the end, there's more spread out events, there's more challenges and I understand it's a children's book but it's interesting how you got the vibe that 
if you adapt it again, it feels very episonic rather than a feature film that's obviously consistent throughout. So it was just quite interesting how that happens. But I'm not complaining about the the first film. It was just I could see the chapters like little adventures each time. So it's quite interesting. All right. Miss Greenger. Professor, I was wondering if you could tell us about the Chamber of Secrets. Very well. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. For me, I could really see the back and forth humour, and I think that's what I miss in the later books. Um, especially Harry had to pretend that he did not exist. Obviously, they introduced the warning letter that uh, for underage wizards, but I am a bit confused with the Ministry of Magic. Do you get a notification, or do they get an, a notification who do the spells or is it the location where the spells are at because if it was they would yeah it is it was a bit confusing because obviously they introduced like Dobby and they obviously thought Harry was who did the spell but it was actually um but then you find out later on in, in the I believe in the Half-Blood Prince that the uh like elves and um the house elves and goblins are a bit of out of the league for the Ministry of Magic. So it's quite interesting how that happens. But it was, it was just something that I was like interested in. Like would they know the locations of the spell? And if not, would that disrupt in later books? Or is just they always keep an eye on underage people doing spells? I'm just... Maybe it's just me never grasping onto the concept. Help me out. Help me out, guys. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Um, the burrow. It's Harry was actually there for a month. He was not there for like a day, so it was quite interesting. And it was one of those moments that I actually enjoy Harry being happy, like in a family vibe and stuff, and obviously having a really close relationship with Ron. Um, getting back to school, it was like a whole day of obviously journey, the car ride. But it was quite interesting when they arrived during dinner, they were like th looking through the doors and obviously they didn't see Snape and they were like, maybe he's ill. Maybe he left because he missed out the defense against the dark hearts job again. Or he might have been sacked, like everyone obviously hates him and, or, and he's like, or maybe he's waiting to hear why he didn't arrive on the school train and he was right behind them and like, it's like, follow me. And it would have been quite interesting factor of it. I can't remember it's, yeah, it was, it was just one of those, that's just one of the moments that I enjoyed in the humorous of the books. Um, obviously they had the death day party and I'm just like, what's this? Like, ghosts disappeared, like, I think... It was, it was just quite, it was quite interesting. Like, you obviously, it's one of the things that I miss watching in the films. Ghosts don't, you don't see them in later films. And I think they obviously disappear after the prison of Azkaban. Because obviously they're trying to focus on the, um, it was, it was just, it was just one of those sad things that I, I miss. And it sort of had that child vibe off it. But at last, obviously they had to cut things out. But it was just, it would have been so much better. Because obviously the same characters that appear and, and I was just like, oh, it's very sad. Anyway, um, so obviously after the death day party, obviously I have to change the sequence in the film. So, but it's actually the, after the death day party, they found the first case of Petrified, which was poor Miss Norris. And obviously just introducing that fact that 
it was just quite interesting. Like, obviously, Harry was still following the um, voices, but I was just thinking about that. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. Um, Gilbert Lockhart, um, you could see much more of his jealousy towards Harry's fame because he was the boy who lived since he was a baby. So it was, it was just quite interesting. And the good thing is um, I quite like how Ginny appears more in the book rather than since she like like... Because when I was little, I never grasped the understanding what happens in the films. But obviously, it was quite interesting that explains like how she got the books from Lucas Malfoy, and it was just quite interesting. It was it was obvious that it was, she was there, but it, it just obviously brings more establishment importance later on in the books of Jeannie's character. It was just quite an interesting factor, yeah. Why don't you run along and play with your chemistry set? Sorry about the bite. Harry Potter and the Prison of Azkaban. Um, obviously Harry has to keep his magic furthermore a secret. So it was quite interesting. Um, with Aunt Marge's big mistake, um, he already received a warning, but he did not get the straightaway um, letter from the Ministry of Magic saying you just committed a crime pretty much. But it was it was just like... They obviously wanted to use to Harry for the greater good to keep him safe from Sirius Black. But in the movie, pretty much I felt like they're using the excuse that you're young, but you're here now. So it was, it was obviously in that factor. I never really understand that, but obviously the book expanded more on that. Um, the night bus sounds so much fun, and I'm glad the movie did it really well for this. I think it was one of, the, one of my favorite moments. The Leaky Cauldron, um, it was pretty much the first time Harry experienced freedom in the wizarding world, but in the movies they said, I'll oh, stay here and, you know, be safe, but obviously Harry was there exploring and exploring in um, Diagonal Alley, so it was just quite interesting. Um, with the training sequence, obviously he... He did not get it in the second time with the Bogart. I um, mean, obviously, the, he was there with Remus all the time, with um, you know, training up, and it was quite in you know, specto patronum sequence. Pretty much, I was quite happy that happened. But in the books, obviously, in the movies, it, it's very um, quick done. Almost felt like Harry Potter was pretty much equivalent to a Mary Sue. He got it straight away. Hermione obviously gets spells quite quickly but it felt like with certain big spells like he's more of a sporty figure you don't you get more of a vibe or harry gets it very very quickly because he's a special child but obviously you know understanding more about that uh the mulder's map obviously introduced that friend and george gave to harry introduced the seven secret passages of hogwarts and it was a mess of mooney and wormtail and patfoot and prongs i felt I felt like I had to, if, I felt like I was going to drop this book and want to know more about them because it was just had that interesting factor. Obviously, it has more connections to readers and it's just like, oh, I was, I was really interested, like how they got into the circumstance of being an animalisks, animalgus, animalgus, that's how you pronounce it. So I just want to know like how far they got into the process, but maybe just me interested in the before rather than afterwards obviously Fred and George are the best and Percy obviously has a girlfriend so it's quite interesting for that 
Um, Harry didn't use the invisibility cloak to go inside secretly in the bar. He obviously heard it quietly listening, I believe. I, must, I might have missed anything. But this is another fact that I'm going to discuss right now is the butterbee. I was confused. I thought it was alcoholic, but then obviously the kids are drinking it. And I think, I believe they were 14 during this time of this book and, or 13, 13 and 14, I'm going to say. But in the later books, obviously a house elf um, gets drunk of this and Hermione obviously gets a bit loosened from this. So I'm, I'm, is there like a non-alcohol version help? I'm a bit confused. Is it maybe something, one of those factors that J.K. Rowling forgot about the consistency? Anyway, moving on from there. <laughs> um, obviously, Harry gets his firebolt, his second broomstick, at, not at the end of the film, but in the middle of the book. And obviously, in the book, it in- introduces more of Quidditch, which I really enjoyed. And obviously, I, I like the um, Malfoy versus Potter experience. They obviously tell, but never really show it a lot in the films because obviously they had to sh- have to, you know, obviously cut out those scenes. But it was just like, obviously, it's, I believe it's obvious in the films, but um, it's obviously had the constraint fill up two hours. But obviously, they got so much material, so obviously had to cut it out. And they obviously had to explain the where the broomstick is from and obviously it's from black and obviously the teachers had to unjinx it in the book which is quite interesting and obviously they had the Quidditch house cup and I thought it'd been a very nice touch during the you know scary times of the book but yeah I was I was and obviously wood is still there but I just felt like um it's a bit sad I'm, I miss these Quidditch sequences um anyway Hermione slaps not punch so it was quite interesting. I had to quickly type that down because I was really excited that there was obviously I would would I don't know if I would have liked him getting slapped or punched. I don't know. Obviously, there sh- it was I get the vibe of this smooth transition. She introducing characters briefly and obviously had that oh they're going to be more relevant in the next book. So obviously she introduced Cedric Diggory and Cho Chang. And I think obviously this is the point that J.K. Rowling was now thinking more about the future and collecting things and and obviously thinking oh what's happening in the next book and and obviously how the series will turn out. And obviously, such as Ron mentioning at the end of the book, the Quidditch World Cup is in summer. And obviously, he wants to bring Harry along. And it just felt like a really heartfelt ending. Because when um, Harry came up to his uh, uncle and auntie, who's talking about his godfather. And he's saying, he was my mum's and dad's best friend. He's a convicted murderer. But but he obviously broken out in wizard prison and now he's on the run. He likes to keep in touch with me though, so keep up with my news and check I'm happy. And of course, of course it was like a bit of blackmail, but it was it was a sweet moment of Harry just being settled before the calm before the storm situation. Did you put your name into the goblet of fire, Harry? Dumbledore asked calmly. Harry, I protest. Harry, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? Harry Potter and the Goblin of Fire. Harry Potter and the Goblin of Fire. Um, Dumbledore did not yell. He softly spoke. Um, when you're adapting 
onto the big screen, you obviously have to sacrifice certain things and to fit in the two-hour or so film. And obviously, Goblin 5 was pretty much the first big book with 500 pages. I quite enjoyed Goblin 5, I would say. I, I would, would, wouldn't mind having these 500 pages. Um, but it's obviously considered, once again, the, big, the first big book of the series. And I had to accept the fact that they... Um, Obviously, they can't fully adapt the whole book into one thing. And obviously, I had to cut out certain things, obviously, and keeping significant moments like the Triwizarder Cup task, of course, the Yorbor, Voldemort's Wreathbirth, and other stuff. But I was a bit disappointed that they definitely cut out the Quidditch World Cup and only showed two minutes, and that's it. Um, and obviously, they still kept the dark mark, but obviously changed it up a bit, but it was, it was just quite interesting. And I felt like this film was the start of having that lack of depth. And I was trying to... And obviously this book helped me a lot to connect the dots. And as started this moment that the, if the films are for the readers who read the book. So it was a bit of an interesting factor. But we can't win everything. Obviously I had that funny moment that I enjoyed between the interaction between the muggles and the wizards. Which... I feel like we need more of, but obviously we can't have more of that because obviously we had to move on. But it was especially between the Dursleys and the Weasley, both towards each other being feeling alienated. Anyway, so obviously Fred and George started with a loud bang with a tongue-tied toffee, and I really enjoyed this moment because it felt like it's the fourth book. We're already introduced to the factors, like of the characters, and an audience obviously wanted more wanted more and being around like three times more in the book it was perfect like I, I'm not saying this per- book is perfect I'm saying it was it was good amount of length that I felt like I was safe in it and obviously the visual humor at the beginning was very nice and obviously at the end it had that drastic change towards Cedric's death which is more of a coming of age that actually people do die I would say the Goblin Fige is a lot of um coming of age because you see you, you know about Cedric's death so it's quite interesting how it happened and yeah I just I just thought it was it was a really good transition I felt like you know the humor at the beginning but a drastic change at the end and um there's obviously been a rift between Ron and Harry and Hermione hanging around with Harry because Harry's life's on the line so Hermione helps Harry a lot at the beginning and obviously the beginning felt a bit worse with Han obviously during the Tri-Wizarding Cup obviously uh, obviously Charlie shows up and now I'm just dis- very disappointed now that uh, he's only been in the films and I was just a bit very sad about that I felt like it would have been a bit more even if it was a small cameo but obviously it's in the film they just vaguely show the characters for me I did not see the depth of it and it was just not interesting obviously you as the reader you'd learn Harry's spells and stuff but it was not the same we've been introduced to the character Winky uh, the house elf and obviously Hermione created a health a house elf movement during school which is quite interesting and obviously, Dob is in the book. I quite, I'm glad he came back. Now I understand why Dobby has that important factor towards readers at the end of the book of his sad death. And I understand why people were very upset about it. And he obviously, um, 
In the movies, they replace Dobby's um, tasks and Neville helps out, actually. Um, it was actually Dobby stole from Snape's collection rather than Neville creating his own thing. It was quite interesting. So, actually, Sirius Black actually arrived at Hogwarts but actually came to Hogsmeade first and to make sure Harry's safe because Harry mentioned about his scar being sore and irritated and blah, blah. And it was quite interesting that Sirius had that guardian position. Obviously, people were sad that he died, but I I did not understand why. And obviously, I would have been those fans to be like, why did you cut it out? Like, Sirius is cool. Like, I wanted to like Sirius. I think I would have appreciated him more if I see more of his character. And obviously, it shows that at the end, there was this sweet moment between Snape and Sirius that they want to keep both Harry safe. And, like, during that moment, I was like, oh, now I understand. But obviously, I'll talk about Snape later on. But it was quite how they both want to keep Harry safe. And obviously, Snape is is like an angel, but at the same time, he's been cast as, like, a shadow of the devil. And obviously, um, J.K. Rowling did the same thing in the previous books. Um, explained everything in the last chapter. And obviously, I was a bit sad, but I was like, not disappointed or sad. It just obviously shows that she's trying to plan something at the next book. And I understand. And you obviously cruise along the way. I like the good living tips here and there, but I feel like she should do that more than bang. Like, that's it. Just give us hints now and then. But I can't be picky, obviously. You applied first for the Defense Against the Dark Arts post, is that correct? Yes. But you were unsuccessful? Obviously. Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. This book was a non-stop bad dream. Once I finished, I knew the other books were going to be a breeze. Because this book is the biggest book I ever read. And it was just known for its fluff. I struggled reading this book. And it was just a bad fever dream overall. And obviously, it's the most one of the most accurate book movies in this series. Um, but it's just... Obviously, there's not much going on. There are great events, especially between George and Fred leaving with the Big Bang. And obviously, Harry spending quality time with the god with his godfather, Sirius and Remus, and, and other members of the Order of the Phoenix. But you could see that Harry is at a position that is blurred between um, being part but not part of the Order. And obviously, it's chaotic. And the Snape... Because right now you don't know why Snape is looking after Harry. But then I feel like at the end, you just no one likes Snape because he keeps flipping. And I feel like that's just one of the things that I did not like Snape's character. They kept flipping and twisting. And if you twist so much, people just get bored of it. And I obviously, when I read this book within two weeks, I was just like, I like Snape now. No, I don't like him. I don't understand. Are you making me like... like I don't know, it was just, I felt like it was the planned intertwine a lot and maybe it felt a bit messy, but that was just me. That's just my, how I see things. I'm not trying to hate it, but I was just like, yeah, it just made me questioning because obviously you see the, I think you do see the flashback between 
Snape. Yes, you do. Snape and James Potter. And obviously the butted heads at the beginning. But you don't know why he's still like that after James' death. So, and obviously the movies don't explain a lot. So, um, I obviously enjoyed that flashback when they're back to the days. But um, I do have a soft spot soft spot spot for the boy for a boy crew like I like talented boys obviously you know James Remus and Sirius were pretty much strong wizards so I just I appreciate that um obviously you know more about the magic but this whole situation with Professor Umbridge um obviously she, she was just a mean bitch at the end of the day and I obviously taken most of the magic way right? but obviously with the other teachers they did not do that they they kept what's best known for the students and obviously with the alexams i do like the practical side you obviously know harry's more of a sporty person so he's really good at practical but he's but he's crap at the theory stuff so you know where's his skills lie and he's obviously after all this chaotic what's happening in the order of phoenix He's still thinking about his future and thinking, oh, it be- becoming a Eurora. A Eurora? A Eurora. I think that's how you pr- pronounce it, obviously. He's very strong with his defense against arts. So I just always thought oh, that would be very interesting. I obviously repeated a lot of this. I don't know. I like the magic fights. I really do like enjoying the different spells. Um... And I like that you're a Harry and other shoes learning about different spells. And I appreciate Dumbledore's army and becoming a res- resistance. And it sort of reminds me right now that that the laws the laws don't always serve true justice. And I do obviously like to shout out to the old crew of the Order of the Phoenix. I do appreciate you guys too. <laughs> yes. I'm the half. Blood Prince. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, this book and the final book of the series, I pretty much read in a day because I was, I was worried that I was never going to finish the series, but obviously I did. And I was very interested what's going to happen towards the end. I do enjoy the series tone and I felt like towards Harry is now part of something. But again, I have to remind myself he is 16 against a dark magic wizard. And I was confused at the point of what like what I will learn. But obviously with the flashbacks, it do help a lot about Voldemort's history and obviously how he became Tom Riddle and how even before that with his mum and his mum's a witch and obviously you know obviously his uh his transition of how it happened um it was just quite interesting I felt like um I I'm not saying I don't have a lot to say about this book I was actually really glad I read this book and it helped me a lot certain things still filling up the gaps but the one thing that I felt a bit concerned is um the introducing the fact of whole crosses I can't even speak today um and obviously it shows like the way of how Voldemort split his soul into seven parts or maybe yeah so and becoming 
and it was just for me, it was like, because what did people, I had a feeling people knew this was going to be the second last book. It was a bit of a last minute order, but at the same time, was it or was it not? Like, I'm a bit confused and it was just, it was quite like, yeah, it, it worried me that they introduced this factor right at the end and and I was just like, well, how this, this whole thing is going to end at the end of the day. But one thing I did enjoy is Jeannie Harry, movie no, but book yes. I do love a good little romance dipped here and there. I do enjoy the fact. Yes, I wish maybe there was more hints of Harry maybe liking Jeannie. There's obviously a subtle hint at the end of Order of Phoenix with Harry being interested in Jeannie, I believe. That's what I got a hint. But at the same time, I wish there was way more... But obviously, I liked Remus and Tonks. I think it was a very cute couple. I, I think I was a bit sad how they obviously weren't a lot in the movie, and obviously they died, and I was just a bit sad. But obviously, it's how it happens. But obviously, I never understand why they became a couple in the movies because that was like my first exposure of them, and it's obviously so so obvious now. But I never understand. And obviously, Draco shined more. I felt like in the films than the books. It felt like you didn't even know Draco. Draco sort of shows up here and there. It was Harry like saying Draco did this, but you don't even see Draco doing a lot of that stuff. But it was just quite interesting. I understand, but yeah, of what's going to happen. But yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was not a bad book, but I was keen to what's going to happen and how she did everything towards the end. There are a few more things I would like to say about this book, but at the end of the day, I'll be comparing the book with the film. I know the film's not the greatest out of the whole series, as much as how the book is he, is one of most, probably the most significant books in the series. I just thought uh, at this point, if I continue the conversation I'll be talking about the movie now I know if we go back to Jeannie and Harry's relationship it was quite sweet in the book with their first kiss and I thought it'd be quite nice and it's quite sad how like Harry was still having a rough time but um at the end of the day you know them Gryffindor winning their house cup and it was just quite nice to see one of those few positive moments throughout the book even though it's a dark time and it's quite interesting how it all falls out. But I don't want to talk, keep comparing to back to the film. It's I'm going in circles at this point. Do not pity the dead, Harry. Pity the living. And above all, all those who live without love. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows. Um, I felt, don't want to hit it's negative, but this book I felt was rushed. Um, I'm sorry, but I do enjoy fight the fighting, the, the Battle of Hogwarts. I, I liked how Harry sees Remus and obviously had that, like, obviously Sirius is gone now, so Remus is obviously there as a guardian and it's just quite interesting, but I was... I understand, like, what was going to happen at the last second. And I feel like everything was unraveling and it did not fall into place. Snape 
we are told he's brave, but I'm still conflicted with Snape. Maybe if I watch the movies after I do this, um, maybe I will understand more why. I felt like, as I said, he kept, we get this twisted perspective and I understand why, but at the same time, I felt like, I like everyone else, we want more of Harry Potter. I think feel like it would have been very easy to understand what's happened in between, but we get to tell why. You know, so in like in Snape in Prison of Azkaban, you obviously he growed into me and I, and obviously it flipped drastically in Half-Blood Prince. And obviously his Snape always blamed his dad for Harry like his dad's actions towards Harry's which just people do not carry your parents actions I'll tell you that so it's very I don't know why she did that but it was just very interesting like they say obviously Snape loved Harry's mom for quite a long time but it does not just the fact that James and Sirius did butt their heads but at the same time I'm still conflicted about Snape I do want to like him I feel like he's a very like mysterious character obviously for me I might have to read these books again and to understand like okay I'm not reading Harry's perspective now I have to read in Sirius's perspective because obviously Sirius was um a death eater way back but then he came back and obviously during this point when I was reading the last book I had to go online to get people to answer my questions and I felt like that was not a good thing to do because then I'm a bit more conflicted but obviously we are told at the end of the movie that Snape is brave like a hero of it but I'm just very confused I, I mean it's a bit sad like and obviously there's a lot of changes happened but um, J.K. Rowan, 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 sorry. I have a feeling that she was very tired making this book. I felt like she had the extreme pressure to make this book. And this book was released pretty much the same year or, yeah, the same year as this, uh, the movie came out for Goblin of Fire. So I believed if she waited a bit longer to have a breather, maybe do another book, maybe just, I'm just asking a lot, but she would it would have been a bit more planned out, a bit more f- fleshed out. But obviously the twisting factor, and it didn't help that she introduced also the Deathly Hallows, which I'm she's trying to bring things back in, tying everything all in together. But I'm a bit like, uh, I'm not like obviously... People most probably will have to explain it more in detail for a Harry Potter fan, maybe. I should have a good, a better discussion. Um, but obviously I'm a bit too old for these books. Like, I'm never, you're never too old for Harry Potter, but it's obviously, it would have been very easier to understand if I read these books in a spread out manner rather than reading all of them in two weeks. It is done. I can't unchange watching the movies, but I... Unless if I lost my memory, I, I should read them. But I was just... Like, overall... I'm going to obviously do a summary. But overall, I enjoyed the series. And I wish there is more, like everyone else. I maybe want more about Harry's, you know, parents' past. Maybe no more about that. Or maybe the future. But there's certain things in the f- Harry's, like, future with the kids' kids that I don't like obviously, but we'll talk about that.
So J.K. Rowling did the best thing, you know, creating a significant character name. Like people will know Harry Potter's name forever because it was just the way she introduced him at the beginning of the first book, the boy who lived, Harry Potter, is defined really defined in the series and that just hit and obviously when that happening but with the world building afterwards it's I feel like it's maybe maybe obviously it's children's book it's the world's a bit vague but with the movies it really pushed up the world and it succeeded with the world building in a way I feel like it created an extra level a depth of aesthetic that is very rare to this day and I would say obviously I was too little to watch the films but I was you know you cannot escape the whole world you won't I think I don't know if people will define Harry Potter a lot from the books or the films now because the cast obviously can't escape from that and but I feel like the movies really did it did it very successful in the series and and it's very and it's very lucky that happened. But what I know, there's a problem that's happening with other adaptations. That the creator when the creator is creating the hero's journey, the adaptation is halfway through already, and then that person's trying to finish the hero's journey. And it puts pressure on the creator to finish the the story and there's obviously questions popping up along the way going when is she finishing it or is this the last book of the series it's and it's just um is is there going to be a sequel is there going to be a prequel and obviously it's I feel like that got to her towards the end of the series and sort of like how that downfall downfall like at the at the end and I feel like she did not expect what she created to be so a marvel like a marvelous world with its characters i think she did her best to ma- try to mature her writing along the way when the characters are growing but at the end of the day the last book i felt like it was just she had to finish it because she had to and obviously we can't obviously People were wanting more at the end, so she obviously did other things. But it reminded me of like George R. R. Mar- George R. R. Martin, the creator of pretty much Game of the Thrones, one of the great, one of the greatest TV shows. But what's what was really fasc- fascinating with that TV show is how bad it fell at the last season because George R. R. Martin was still finishing the series and then in season five the creators were like well there's no more source material we're just going to do our own path and George R. R. Martin was like hang on you can use all this material I have but obviously the producers and the directors wanted their own life they had to finish it because they felt like they're getting fatigued creating the series for such a long time and I felt like that was with J.K. Rowling a lot like she had that she she obviously did not have the most most precise writing to compared to George R. R. Martin and with the number of characters he written, but I feel like she was getting really tired and she didn't really have that planned out motivation of the series. Don't at me, people. Don't have a go at me. But um, this is what I felt like. Obviously, there's me in the perspective of reading the books and to all the books. 
in two weeks. And maybe it would have been better if I had that gradual reading, but um, it would have been quite interesting if that, you know, happened. Like, I know I have a short attention span reading books. I do want to obviously point out, number one, I did enjoy them. I absolutely enjoyed them, but I felt stuck at the end because obviously you can't be that person who written the books written 20 books in the miniseries, like with a miniseries and obviously keep the character of Harry Potter, but obviously she wanted to grow a series t- to make it older. You don't get a lot of old like kids growing up to be old development. There is some, but there's not as defined as Harry, you know, from from age 11 to I don't know, 18, I believe he was. And then obviously 19 years later, but I won't get into much of that. But I know people will say to me, I'm I'm jealous, like you you never read Harry Potter for, you know, for the first time. I wish I was like that. I'm jealous. I wish I could have read them when I was little and read them sparingly without the films. Yes, the films did help me out to understand the world, but I felt like it would have been quite interesting of my imagination and how it would turn out. But I never really liked reading books, and that's a sad thing. But moving on from there, um, I could tell the certain films tried to add that extra layer of redeemable factor of some of the characters. I'm not saying it's not perfect, but it reminded me of the the subtle hints that I keep listening to and I had to remind myself that those are fan theories and but people written into it with fan fiction and and it just created that extra level so I have to remember I have to separate separate me from that and obviously it reminded me of this TikTok video it's saying someone complaining about writing 5,000 word essay for uni but a fan fiction writer can write 25,000 words in a day it's crazy, like, people really enjoy the world and they can create create something world that's above the creator, if that makes sense. But obviously, this podcast, I thought I should read some for fun, but I don't want to detail me off that and it would have been, it would have been a very rough struggle to get back on the road. But that could be another episode for a podcast, fan fiction and how certain things get into movies somehow and, you know, moving on from there. I'm not trying to be negative about Harry Potter. I felt she just brushed this world very lightly in a, in a child, young adult manner. It was good that some things respond to the character and you obviously return them. Like, that happened to Dobby. Like, I feel like some people enjoy Dobby, so she introduced him back into Hogwarts and, um, and Goblin of Fire, which is quite interesting. Obviously, there are some references in the past, and yes, she written them in the future, but but I don't know why she decided to do screenplays to fill in. Like, you can never win, but, but if you look at George Lucas, another creator, he made a universe, and even to this day is still growing, and even though he sold it to Disney, it still contributes to it. I'm glad she's still contributing to the world, but there's certain things that I do not agree with. Like, she obviously brought significance to the young adult 
fiction, but J.K. Rowling being J.K. Rowling, I wasn't surprised that she was not showed up for the special episode. Yes, there was some footage from 2019, but that was not current. That was not the stuff that they recall for in 2021. I think that's what they, I'm pretty sure that's when they recorded. But because the last couple of years hasn't been good for her, the creator's now been compared to the worst character of the series. For me right now, I do bring the question of relationship between reader and author. Readers can always get what they want, but they can't always get, you know, and when they do, like, she's, they're like, I want a sequel. So she goes, here you go, the cursed child. Obviously, wish that didn't exist because I did not read the book, but I read, like, a summary of it and I just thought, this is horrible. They could not, why did they do anything worse to that? And that was not the greatest outcome. And I felt like that's just, it was a tipping edge for some people. At this point, you create a world, but that that doesn't mean you are the great, you're a great writer. Do not do screenplays because you think you're a great writer. I don't want to be on a rant. But Harry Potter should always be a book in the form of a play. You could do a mini book. And then you can obviously make that into, um, into another film. But obviously, that doesn't help. Um... People, you know, it's just, I could go on, blah, blah, blah. But clearly, the Harry Potter world has outrun you, J.K. Rowling, and it's sad how how certain thing is. But with the 20th anniversary, I'll just obviously quickly finish this off because I've been talking for so long. They did this, and it was very positive. And just like Emma said, so much time went past, but at the same time, not as all. These kids are now adults, and it's extraordinary they didn't really ruin their life. Some yes, some no, but it was just, you could see the struggles, but they were still very positive about it. You know, Emma's being so sweet, and Tom, I would totally fall in love with too. Dan is kind, Rupert's funny, and everyone else, I'm glad they came. You know, no wonder everyone loved the franchise. And, oh my god, there are true beats at the end. Like, there's certain things, like, I was, it made me so sad, those tributes, but I just cried, and it's accepting that the people you love that passed away will always be with you. The only thing I question about the 20th anniversary is I want more, and obviously they put everything together. It would have been quite interesting if they fleshed them out. Maybe do, like, six episodes or seven episodes of the series. Maybe maybe a bit too much, but obviously it's it was obviously special and I think a lot of people want more after it. And um it's just and it's obviously shows it was I just want to see more and I can never grasp it that Harry Potter will never you'll never have anything else like Harry Potter. The other, the others would try it would never be the wizarding world which the boy who lived was born. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I know it's been so long and me ranting on about Harry Potter, Harry Potter this, Harry Potter that. But um, thank you so much for listening. I don't know if you felt like you agreed with most of my points. As I said, it's my journey of reading the books for the first time. I was very struggling. I did not struggle. I did not know how to write down this layered this out podcast but I thought this is the best way 
Maybe I'll do another podcast episode more behind the scenes, but I thought it would be quite interesting with the timing of the 20th anniversary. Anyway, I hope everyone's... Thank you once again. Hope everyone stays safe during this time. Bye.